Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Therapy Monday. Oh, it is Therapy Monday indeed. Our top takeaways from South Carolina's 41-39 loss to the Florida Gators. And I first start with this, guys. Why is it that every single time South Carolina loses a football game, Shane Beamer's post-game comments make headlines? Why is that? And I know Gamecock Nation will jump to the forefront in defense of he was holding players accountable, he was saying this, he was saying that. And guys, because admittedly, when I heard those post-game comments, maybe because we were so fresh off of the loss and I just, I was not ready to really process it or think much of it or what have you, but admittedly, Shane Beamer's post-game comments didn't really irk me or annoy me or spark anything in me immediately following the game. Then I went back and watched and listened yet again. And one of the talking points, guys, one of the things I've talked about previously that I'll bring up yet again, Shane Beamer is a young head coach, right? Shane Beamer's just in his third year as being a head coach. And I think pressers, guys, whether it be the Tuesday midweek presser after the game, I think they're overblown. I think pressers matter a lot more when you're losing than when you're winning, right? Everybody wants to hear what Shane Beamer or whatever coach has to say when your team loses, right? Everybody wants to hear what does the head guy have to say? Does he address the things I want him to address when the team is losing? When the team is winning, eh, What you say really doesn't matter all that much. The the, the press conference is kind of just a, a footnote more than anything. But we've talked about this before. Shane Beamer is still figuring out how to deal with the media. And I don't know if Shane Beamer needs to take some deep breaths or, or count down from 10 or, 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 or just have some sort of zen, do some yoga, whatever he needs a moment of silence, a moment of stillness before he gets behind the microphone. Because every single time South Carolina loses a football game, it just feels like Shane Beamer is saying something that makes headlines. And I'm not saying it's all his fault, but you have to know, as the head football coach, whatever you say can and will be used against you. Especially when you're a guy like Shane Beamer. That, guys, there's nobody better in the presser. 
from the Gamecock perspective, there's nobody better in the presser than Shane Beamer is, right? He's jovial, he's jubial, he's he's celebrating, he celebrates like a fan would do. But he's also petty and gets upset and gets emotional after losses like a fan would do. And I think it would pay off major dividends. It'd pay off much more to just be even keel, to just be calm, relaxed, take all of the accountability. Don't use the opportunity of the postgame to, to throw the players under the bus. We all saw the players didn't make plays. We all saw the players didn't execute. But it's going to be used against you. So I'm not coming to you today as someone that's saying that, man, Shane Beamer just totally missed the mark in the postgame presser. I didn't think his comments were all, I didn't think it was the end of the world by any means. But you have to understand the position you're in. And I'm just someone, guys, I'm getting sick and tired of Shane Beamer's postgame comments being headline news every time South Carolina loses a football game. Take some deep breaths. Do whatever you got to do to calm yourself. To remove some emotion. Because it's an emotional roller coaster at times. And everything that he says, right, it goes back to the UNC game, the, the hot dog thing with the chain gang, which is still being used against him. And then in this one where we're calling pressures, they're not being run. Basically, he's saying, me and my coaching staff are making all the right calls and players ain't getting the job done. And I mean, you know what? He's not wrong. But at the same time, maybe leading with just taking the accountability as the guy making $6.5 million a year and the guy who's the head coach and the lead of the program. And guess what? You're the guy that put the roster together. You knew this team's deficiencies. You knew this team's problems. You knew some of these guys you're trotting out there ain't worth a damn. So at the end of the day, it's on you. The CEO gets all the credit, all the blame, what have you, but he also reaps all the rewards when things go well. You're the CEO of the football program. If you want to reap all the rewards and make over six mil a year, you got to fall on the sword when things don't go well. That's just it. So... However Shane Beamer wants to handle media, fine, guys. I don't think any less of Shane Beamer, obviously. I, and I didn't really, I wasn't necessarily bothered by the comments. But you know what, guys? I'm so sick and tired of seeing this make headlines after every time South Carolina loses. Take a deep breath. Don't be led by emotion when you speak after a game. That's it. You got to learn to deal with the media because it's not going away anytime soon. To what actually happened on the field, and guys, I would argue what actually matters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, Clayton White's seat. Uh, boiling, is that hot enough? You know, I, I went on record after the game, guys, and it's nothing personal yet again, I'll say that. But I think the Clayton White tenure at South Carolina should be over. And I, and I, let me say this, too. I hate, I hate on a yearly basis, it feels like we're coming at somebody. Like we're coming at somebody's neck because things aren't going well. I don't like it, guys. I really don't. But that's just the realities of South Carolina football, I guess. I, I just, it's got to be somebody's fault. And this year, Clayton White is this version of Marcus Satterfield. Clayton White is this year's version of Sat. And the first couple of games, we said, you know what, until the defense starts losing you football games, well, then it'll be enough of a problem to, to look at it and to say changes have to be made. But until then, it's fine, right? They're just going through some growing pains. They just They faced elite quarterbacks. And I know Florida fans, left that game on Saturday upset about their defense and what they did. Here's the difference, though. Florida got diced up by Spencer Rattler, a guy who's been dicing everybody up this year. Guy's playing out of his mind. South Carolina got diced up by Graham Mertz. And I say that with all due respect, by the way. Listen, I tip my cap. I rank Graham Mertz 14th out of 14 quarterbacks in the SEC. I was dead wrong. I'm happy to eat that crow today because I was so wrong, it's not even funny. I'm tempted to drop mid-season quarterback rankings because Graham Mertz would shoot up that list. He played his tail off on Saturday. You got to give credit where credit's due. But still, even with that being said, this was a Florida offense that was by no means elite to this point in the season. By no means would anyone anyone label them as explosive or dangerous or electric or anything of the sort. They were doing enough to win games, but it was nothing crazy, right? Nothing crazy. I mean, you think about their four wins, guys, coming into the game against South Carolina. Uh, McNeese and Charlotte, the offense, whatever. Do we even count those games, right? The offense was whatever. Tennessee, they won because of defense. And then the fourth win, it's escaping me right now, but either way, Florida had not been an explosive football team in losses to Kentucky, to Utah. They got shut down, right? They got shut down. 
You allow Florida, led by Graham Mertz, to come in and just eviscerate you. Just go up and down the field. 423 yards passing for Graham Mertz, guys. 423 yards passing. And by the way, the other win was against Vanderbilt, of course, which came just over a week ago. I do apologize for Florida. In that game, they had 38 points. But again, it's Vandy. So either way, coming off a bye week, I should mention, I should add, you allow Florida to rack up 423 yards. You stop the run. Good job. Good job, I guess. But this year is the inverse of what we've seen of the first two years. Where people have hung their hat on the secondary. Man, secondary is one of the best in the SEC. One of the best in college football. It's because the rushing defense was trash. Teams didn't have to throw the ball. Guys, at the midway point, it's mind-blowing to me how bad this defense is when the rushing defense has improved so. But, guys, these teams aren't having to run the football when explosive plays in the passing game are there for the taking. So, I'm hesitant to give the rushing defense all that much credit. Because, I, I honestly, guys, I don't think this defensive line's very good still. Couldn't get pressure on Graham Mertz. This defensive front, guys, you could argue is FCS level. Linebackers missing tackles every other play. Hey, give Debo Williams credit. Kid plays with heart. God, he misses tackles left and right, though. Linebacker positions at efficiency yet again. And then the secondary. God forbid we talk about the secondary. I don't know what's happened to Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith, but Lord. Nowhere near what they were last year. And also, put some of that blame on Clayton White because they're being asked to do things they're not equipped to do. DJ Swearinger on social media, Savelle Newton on social media, many have spoken on this. They're not cover guys. Putting them in coverage is a recipe for disaster, and we saw it all day on Saturday. Marcellus Dial done a fortune? <laughs> yeah, right. The Gamecocks missed Cam Smith and Darius Rush, guys, so much more than we ever thought they would. The atrocious, guys, the atrocious tackling. Like, I know there's a lot of technique in tackling and playing the game of football, but in tackling, it feels as if a lot of tackling is want to, right? Putting your body on the line to make the play. And some of that tackling down the stretch, especially on those fourth down plays, just downright pathetic, guys. Just just, just downright pathetic and embarrassing. Embarrassing. That's what this defense is right now. It's embarrassing. It's nothing short of embarrassing. Poor tackling, blown coverages, missed assignments, and then you got Shane Beamer coming out in the postgame saying, well, we're calling this and they're doing this. What is going on? If things are in this much of disarray, Clayton White should be gone today, guys. You, you can't even get the players to do what you want them to do. For as much as we talk about how great the culture is, that's disturbing. That, 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 that's disturbing when you really think about it. At home 
in front of your home faithful off a bye week, and you couldn't buy a stop. And it's all three levels, guys. You want to give the defensive line a pat on the back because rush defense has improved? Go right ahead. I told you once, I told you many times, I think the edge positions, FCS level, Tonka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley are just okay. You can't generate a pass rush. You're one of the worst in the SEC in doing so. And now you don't have a secondary to lean on. Now your secondary can't get a stop. Now your secondary is paper thin. It's just, in this day and age of college football in 2023, guys, nobody's expecting the defense to be out of this world, hold their opponents less than 20 points per game on a weekly basis. Like, you have to score to win. But when you score 37 points, 39 with the safety at the end of the game, when you score almost 40 points on your home field in an SEC game, dare I say, you should win that game 100% of the time. 100%. You should never lose that game. You should never, ever, 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 ever lose that game. And it's inexcusable that you did so. And guys, heads should roll defensively. Like, I just truly, genuinely, heads should roll defensively for that performance. And guys, you know what all this season's doing? It's just putting a light on the fact the defense ain't been worth a damn the first two years of Shane Beamer. They've just masked it with turnovers and special teams bailing them out. And Clayton White's favorite person on this staff the first two years was Marcus Satterfield because the offense sucking took all of the attention off of what was going on. And guess what? Now there's nowhere to hide. Now there's nowhere to hide. It's your unit losing games, not the other way around. Guys, let's move to some more positives. I think there were positives to take away. Most all of the negatives were on the defensive side. By the way, before we get into the positives, many of you have asked about this, and I'll go ahead and address this as well. Kai Kroger. What's wrong with Kai Kroger? Answer, I don't know. I don't know, guys. He's hit some good ones. I know Shane Beamer brushed it off in the postgame. I'm not worried about Kai. But I don't know what's going on because he shanked a couple. And he set the bar, the expectations, extremely high at end of season last year when he was basically a superhero back there kicking the football, right, against Clemson when he downed it inside the five-yard line, what felt like 10 different times in that game, throwing touchdowns in the bowl game and all throughout the season. So people expected, you know, Kai Kroger to continue that toward pace of play. Figured he probably wouldn't, but it is weird, guys. It's weird watching Kai Kroger hit punts that are so horrific, that are just so terrible, right? I mean, this dude is hitting some horrific punts, and I don't understand where it's coming from. I don't know what he's, you know, I, I don't know enough about punting, granted, to, 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 to sit here and, and break down the film and articulate what's going on, but dude has just hit some doozies. This season. And I don't know what it is. And South Carolina, guys, they're not a team that can even afford to push in the special teams department. We saw that on Saturday. I mean, you had one tipped field goal, which could have been a big game changer in that game. Unfortunately, the ensuing drive, I think you might have went three and out or just didn't capitalize on it. But we talked about it before, guys. You're just not getting those game-changing plays. You're, you're not getting those game-changing special teams plays. And uh, it's it's killing you thus far. It's killing you. Absolutely. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage 
for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now, on to more positive things, which offensively, guys, you're you're not going to hear me gripe for a moment about the offense. You're just not. You're just not, guys. Not after you score 39 points on your home field. Not not, not after the way your quarterback played. Not after the way, you know, we're going to get into the details. But, like, anybody this, today who is sitting here complaining about the offense pointing to them as if they lost the game? Just so you know, if you point at the offense, there's four fingers pointing right back at you. Truly. Because it's you that is off. It is you that is off the mark, not the offensive attack. Now, on the offensive side, I was very intrigued when that game started Saturday to see the combination on the offensive line, a new look group with Nick Gargiulo at center, Trey Jones at right guard, Vershawn Lee at right tackle. And, of course, they mixed in Trovon Bow, who had a fantastic block. Uh, on the Mario Anderson touchdown run, which he was a pulling guard and pulled around and blew up his guy. You did have the bad snap by Nick Gargiulo, which was a really unfortunate thing that happened because you did have a drive going and that sort of blew it up. Um, but all in all, guys, I-, I think you can see the progression with this unit. That does not mean they're perfect. That does not mean that, you know, Spencer Rattler, there's still times, obviously, he's running for his life and it's happening too often. But they are continuing to get better. You can see the signs of life. You can see there's signs of hope there, especially you look at the running game, guys. South Carolina rushes for over 100 yards again, which it's crazy to think. You rush for over 100 yards and you lose again, 
right? But either way, you're getting a run push. Spencer Rattler is getting more time to operate. And I think South Carolina, give the coaching staff kudos and credit for, hey, listen, go ahead and putting in guys like Big Trouba Bellade and Trovon Bow and, and getting those dudes experience and, and playing with some different combinations. I think it's play, paying off. So if you're looking for positives, they're all on the offensive side. It starts up front. I definitely think that group, it'll be interesting to see do they stick with Gargiulo, Jones, and Lee on the right side? Do they mix things back up and, and put Bo back in the starting lineup? Does Babalade stay at left tackle? Like, what does the offensive line look like on a week-in, week-out basis? But I do at least think you can see the progress up front. I, I think you can see the improvements happening up front, and that is a good sign for a football team and an offense that's probably going to have to outscore most of their opponents to win any games the rest of the way out. Uh, how about Nick Harbour, guys? It's Isn't it wild? Isn't let's, let's just take a moment. Isn't it crazy to think that after weeks of clamoring to just throw the ball down the field to Nick Harbour and see what happened? Isn't it crazy to think that when Carolina finally does that, God forbid it worked. I mean, isn't... You know, I I don't think fans know more than coaches, guys. I I don't think that. I don't want to think that. I don't want to believe the guys making millions of dollars to call the shots and to call the plays and handle the football team. I don't want to think that Billy from Bluffton knows more than Shane Beamer or Dabble Loggins or anything like that. But damn, something like this does not help the case. When it's like people have been clamoring since week one. Let's just see more Nick Harbour. Let's see him get a couple of targets here and there. And guys, after weeks of clamoring for it, Nick Harbour gets a target downfield. He's not even open. He's covered. And what does he do, guys? Great players make great plays. And he goes up and he mosses his man and makes the catch. <sighs> maybe from maybe, maybe Billy from Bluffton's on to something. <laughs> maybe Ray from Rock Hill's on to something, man. Maybe Carl from Columbia. I, these people, I don't know. Maybe they're on to something, right? Either way, great to see Nick Harbour get an opportunity and make the most of that opportunity in that ball game, guys. You can't say enough good things, by the way, about Mario Anderson. As we move to the running back position, he continues to shine at RB1, guys. You look back at the numbers, 20 carries, 98 yards. He had that incredible hurdle in that football game. And I do stand corrected, by the way. Uh, he did not have a touchdown run, which is shocking, which is absolutely stunning. I almost feel like I'm not looking at the right statistics. But he did not have a touchdown run in this football game. Had a couple that got right down to the goal line, but uh, unfortunately, he was not able to or, or was not the beneficiary of the touchdown, if you will. Either way, Mario Anderson, guys, was fantastic. You saw the explosiveness. You saw the tough nose, hard nose running, which we talked about, guys. You don't need more than what Mario Anderson gave you on Saturday, right? And if he gives you that on a weekly basis, it, it should mean very, very good things for the offensive attack. But 20 carries, 98 yards. 4.9 yards per carry. I mean, I, that's a performance I wasn't sure South Carolina football was ever going to get out of their running back position at any point this season. And I'm so happy to be wrong in that regard. He was fantastic. Also, two for 23 and a touchdown catch in the passing game. So, he was dynamic, guys. I, I'm at least happy that we finally, this coaching staff has finally come to realize Mario Anderson is the clear-cut RB1. It's not even close. And, and what a job thus far by him, man. I mean, again, a hard-nosed, physical runner, tough runner. He doesn't fall down on in initial contact. He's got when, – when he hits the hole, guys, I mean, he really does remind me of a Corey Boyd. Like, he hits the hole 
with a bad attitude. He hits the hole with a ferociousness. And when you have that type of running game, you have that type of ball carrier, it's going to spell really, really good things for your offensive attack. Now, with that being said, Shane Beamer in his Sunday teleconference did apparently say, I did not realize that Mario Anderson dealing with some sort of injury. So, fingers crossed he can go in coma because if he can't go, I mean, it's just it's going to be really tough once again for that Gamecocks running game. But either way, the performance against Florida, outstanding. The hurdle was electric. And uh, glad to see Carolina's got their RB1 settled. Guys, I mentioned what more good things can you say about Mario Anderson? How about QB1? How about Spencer Rattler? I mean, week in, week out. This dude puts on the Superman cape and just finds a way to keep his football team in the game. Where, you know, we, we, we get so tired of the question because it's like it's, it's, it's a silly hypothetical, why ask it? But truly, like, where would Carolina football be without Spencer Rattler? And I know many of you say, Chris, what about Lenora Sellers? What about Luke Doty? Guys, let's put some respect on what Spencer Rattler's doing, man. I mean, he is out of this world. He, he is doing everything in his power on a weekly basis to give South Carolina a chance. He's doing everything. Everything he can do. And as I said earlier, if you're pointing at Spencer Rattler, if you're pointing at the offense and you're blaming them, I don't even want to talk ball with you. The, the conversation stops. The convo stops. Because Spencer Rattler, he has to play nearly perfectly every week to keep South Carolina in the games. And sometimes that's not even enough. Exhibit A on Saturday. And yet he just continues to do so. Guy's making himself a ton of money this year, that's for sure. Uh, Guys, you look back at this game, something I thought got lost in the shuffle. One of the most disturbing things are the year one mistakes that are happening in year three. The lack of discipline. Nine penalties for South Carolina guys in that football game. 82 yards of penalty yardage. Like, why are these things happening? I think most everyone that follows South Carolina football, that talks South Carolina football, that's a fan of South Carolina football, and many of those outside the program as well that just talk SEC or college football nationally or what have you, I think most feel like Shane Beamer's the guy in Columbia. I think most feel like Shane Beamer's the answer for South Carolina. Most feel like Shane Beamer's doing great things and will continue to do great things at South Carolina. But there's no denying, guys, it doesn't look like how it should in year three. It, it just it just doesn't. It flat out doesn't. And I know, guys, that you know, 2019, 2020 was a disappointing season. And there, there have been so many disappointing seasons of Gamecocks football. But like when you factor in the momentum that started to be built after the 2021 season, when you picked up Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells building off of that season, winning a bowl game, the way you closed out that regular season, beating Auburn, beating Florida, et cetera. Then year two, you struggle 
You know what the problem is, but you identify the problem and you nip it in the butt, that being Marcus Satterfield. You get him out of there. But a season in which you beat Kentucky and Lexington for the first time in a decade, you beat Texas A&M for the first time ever, you do the unthinkable back-to-back top 10 wins against Tennessee and Clemson. You have all this momentum. Even after you lose guys in the portal, even after you have roster turnover, you have all this in- incredible amount of momentum coming into year three. And you sit at two and four overall. After a loss to guys, a Florida Gators football team, I don't think there was a Gamecock out there that was picking that game as a loss. Hell, I got labeled as, you know, a, a pessimistic asshole for, for, for putting the Florida game as a toss-up. No way, bro. That's an automatic win. At Willie B, no way. This has got to be one of the most disappointing seasons. And we're only halfway. It could turn around. But to this point, it's got to be one of the most disappointing seasons of Gamecocks football in recent memory. Because of the expectations. Because of the hype. I mean, even myself, guys, who had conservative expectations, picked seven and five. I thought six and six was more likely than eight and four. I made eight and four the best case scenario yet again. And what do you know? But, man, I didn't think it would look like this. I I just didn't. I I did not think it would look like this. And, guys, especially when you look at this first six games, and we're going to talk tomorrow, by the way, midseason report card. We're going to break everything down. You've lost two games to North Carolina and Florida and looked abysmal in both showings. You've lost two games to North Carolina in the season opener and Florida in this last one in which you had extra time to get ready. North Carolina, you had the entire offseason. You had all the fall camp. And then Florida, you had a bye week, and you come out and do what you did. That's disturbing, man. It's just, it's year one mistakes that are happening in year three of Shane Beamer. It does, like, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, it's the best two and four football team in the country. Shut the hell up. Shut up. That's, just, that's absurd. If anybody says that, just shut up. Just shut up. Anyways, absurd to say something like that. No matter what you think, it doesn't look how it's supposed to in year three. That's all I'm saying. We can all agree with that. And it's two programs, guys. Unfortunately, you want to call it a buck, keep it real, headed in opposite directions. You've got Florida, who just secured their fifth win of the season, or Billy Napier. They're undoubtedly going to hit the over five and a half. They're undoubtedly going to overachieve. And all of a sudden, Billy Napier's got a top five recruiting class. Guess what? Gators football, they're not the laughing stock. They're not the punching bag anymore. They're not the running joke. South Carolina is. Tennessee beat you. They surpassed you. We talked about that, right? Well, guess what, guys? Florida's back ahead of you. Just like that. You can't argue otherwise. You can't argue otherwise. I saw some people on social media, these two teams are still on the same playing field. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not. They're absolutely not. They're absolutely not. Nope. Sorry. They're not. And if you don't like it, well, you shouldn't have had two weeks prepare and then lost to a Florida team that 
most would label as as a a middle of the pack SEC team at best. Finally, guys, in closing, where does South Carolina go from here, man? Uh, you know, halfway point, sitting at two and four. The season had played out, guys, pretty much how I expected outside of a couple of things, kind of, you know, f- flipping the North Carolina-Mississippi State game, what have you. But the season had played out how I thought. But I tell you, that Florida game really, really threw me for a loop. That Florida game stunned me. That Florida game was something I could have never seen coming. Losing in that fashion, on your home field, it was shades of 2014 Tennessee all over again in which you had a big lead, you couldn't hold on to it. This football team, very similar to the 2014 Gamecocks, where you got a quarterback playing well, an offense clicking on all cylinders, and for whatever reason, you can't stop a nosebleed on defense. But where does South Carolina go from here, guys? You know, I'm I'm not going to be one of those people today to say that the season's over, pack it in, Carolina's going, you know, three and nine or even four and eight. I'm not going to say that because we have seen Shane Beamer in the Gamecocks when they feel like you feel like they're beaten in a submission and it makes sense for them to quit, they respond. So I'm not going to put anything past this football program, the Jekyll and Hyde nature, the inconsistent nature. It'd be so Gamecock for South Carolina to go to Mizzou, pitch a shutout, and win the football game beyond all comprehension. But this program is at a bit of a crossroads right now. It, it is. And getting to a bowl game, I think where you are right now, getting to 6-6 six and six would be a massive victory. If you can show the level of improvement needed to go 4-2 and two in your last six, right, wins over Jacksonville State and Vandy, but you're going to have to beat a Kentucky you might have to beat a Missouri. You might have to beat an a You might have to beat a Clemson to close out the season. At this point, six and six with a win over Clemson would be a massive, massive win based off where you sit right now. Because right now, the reality is bleak. Right now, the reality is such that it doesn't look like the way it should in the middle of year three. It just flat out doesn't point blank. And as Shane Beamer noted, you don't have a six-year rebuilding window. It's got to get turned around, and it's got to get turned around in a hurry. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 